When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to Working, a podcast about what people do all day. I'm David Plotz. What is your name and what do you do? My name is John Lefevre. I repair appliances, major appliances in customers' homes, basically in-home service. Um, We also do some sales of appliances, consulting on appliance sales and purchases and best use and most ecological use of appliances. Tell me about a typical encounter at work. How do you get a customer? Once you get to a customer, what do you do? Most of our customers come from either word of mouth or one of the consumer organizations that rates companies nowadays community listservs pass your name around but it's mostly reputation based so that makes our job easier right off the bat you know most people have a positive impression of us before we even get to their house and then we're willing to spend a little time with the customer the actual technician if needed helping them decide whether a repair is the appropriate course of action for their ailing appliance. So we will, you know, talk to the customer. The typical customer is going to ask, should I fix it or not? I mean, I get that question many times every day. And then I ask them questions, you know, based on if they like the product, if it was, you know, something that they always liked, I often recommend repair. And then based on our direct experience with similar machines, we try to advise them whether it makes sense to make a repair. And so we, we do that beforehand in many cases then once we get to the customer's home we're doing much the same thing we look over the product and find out what how serious the malfunction or difficulties are Um, many of our customers are very involved are very interested in the cost of operation of things also and we often advise and i'm it's a little bit of a side interest of mine is the ecological cost of running things and 
life cycles and things like that. So often my decision will be tempered by that too, or at least I'll give that advice if asked. And sometimes even if not asked, you know, I'll suggest that maybe this 30-year-old refrigerator may not be a good candidate for repair because it costs four times as much to run as a new one. Uh, So situations like that, we try to look at the whole picture and uh, hopefully come to a good decision. You're effectively a, a physician. So tell me about an encounter with a recent patient, something just exactly what you, you know, something you diagnosed and how you went about resolving it. Well, just this morning, yesterday I looked at a Whirlpool 24-inch stack washer dryer. It's 18 years old. It needs a fairly major part, the the frame cracked in the washer. This is a known defect with these machines eventually. Uh, We went and checked it out. The repair is going to be about $450 to $500. And so I had a discussion with the customer whether they want to repair it or not. The replacement of this machine would cost $1,280. Her initial reaction was, well, gee, at 18 years, does it make sense to put even nearly $500 into this machine? And after a long discussion, she decided, you know, and I you know, would not have recommended the repair if it wasn't a good candidate. I think the machine could potentially last another five to 10 years. And after she went over all the ins and outs of it, she initially was said, oh, I'll just replace it. It's 18 years old. And, but then she decided, well, number one, it's a rental property for her. If she replaces it, she has to write off the cost of the new machine over several years. If she does the repair, it's an immediate write-off. And so for <clears throat> that reason, among others, she uh, decided to actually make the repair. Probably most people, many people would not repair something at that expense level at that age. But it's partly because she has confidence in you know, knowing that uh, we could repair this machine. I also told her honestly that I said, if we bring you the new machine, I'm going to take your machine back and rebuild it and sell it because it's in excellent shape. So you have to analyze all the data. The exact same machine in a different situation, maybe in a townhouse with you know a husband and wife and a couple of kids, would probably be pretty useless by this time. This machine was also in a one-bedroom apartment and had minimal use, probably only one user most of its life. Tell us exactly how you'll repair it. The washer has a cracked frame, so I actually have to pull the washer section of the machine out. It can be done in the apartment. Um, Put down a drop cloth, we pull it out, and we disassemble the whole thing. We have to remove the tubs, the motor from the frame, the uh, transmission, and basically come in with the new part and start reassembling it. And taking something apart pretty seriously like that gives you a good chance to check the condition of other seals and drive couplings and maybe the water pumpers. There may be some more minor parts that are showing signs of wear, and they would be replaced at the same time so that you're not likely to have any callbacks. One of the wonderful things about something that's sort of mechanical like this is you can pretty well predict by examining it whether it's going to fail again soon. How many customers do you usually have a day? I try to do six appointments a day. There were times in the past I actually was doing more than that. But I find just because of the geography and the way we run the business and because I want to spend a little bit more time helping customers before we get there, six seems to work pretty well for me. And just do it five days a week. But that seems to work pretty well. There are times I've done as many as 10 a day and uh, in periods of my life. And we used to try to always do eight a day. We were doing a lot more warranty work in that time, and a lot of the repairs were a lot simpler. When you have new appliances, it's usually a simple adjustment, more often a simple adjustment or a little part or something. 
But when you're trying to actually repair machines that have a little age on them and do have a known problem, it uh, it takes a little longer to give the uh, customer and the machine the time it needs. How do you deal with the frustration that I'm sure some of your customers have? Surely you're late sometimes or an appointment goes awry. How, how do you avoid that? And then and when it happens, how do you handle afterwards? Well, we try to you know accommodate as much as possible, but there are definitely times you can't. And we definitely, almost every day when we figure out our schedule, there's at least one or two people that are a little disappointed. But if we can make any further adjustment, we will. But beyond that, sometimes a customer will end up rescheduling if it's impossible for their schedule. Or they figure out a way to make an adjustment very often little bit more of the burden it seems to end up on the customer sometimes you know having to figure out a time but we do try to get down to a two-hour window for people when we will arrive but there are definitely times where you have one or two calls that take a long time and you're running late we try to let them know we do um, generally let the customer have the cell phone number of the technician if they have a last-minute emergency or want to check on them so they can call them not very often but once or twice a year you know we'll get somebody that is just so difficult or unreasonable we had to do that just the other month where i i I never even got to the customer's home they're replacing so many demands on us and i finally just said i'm i think it would be better if somebody else did this and and so on she wasn't too happy about it and you know but i just said it just it just isn't working but she she was making it difficult for us rescheduling over and over again at the last minute and you know changing her mind so so you go into six people's homes every day. Yes. How, how do you handle yourself going into all those different people's houses? They all people live differently. They talk to their children differently. They're you know they're different levels of neatness. What, how do you handle that? It certainly makes the job interesting. You, you meet a lot of wonderful people. That's one of the fun things I've often said about the job. Probably kept me doing this so long is that just really interesting people even the problems people are having with their appliances you can see the dysfunction in their families i mean there's we've had numerous customers over the year that have just unreasonable problems with their appliances you can just tell when you get there you know the kids disappear the husband disappears or whoever you know they just they don't want anything to do with it because they it's a dysfunctional situation with a customer what do you mean that you see the dysfunction through the appliance can you Give a specific, not a specific name, but just a specific kind of example of that. Oh, I had one customer in particular a few years ago, and she always had funny noises from her refrigerator. It was a fairly new Whirlpool. And every time we got there, of course, it never made the noise, but that's kind of typical for a intermittent noise, I guess. But the thing that was odd was, again, there were some teenage kids around. They always disappeared when we got there. The husband disappeared. And then finally, she called us back one time, and she said, I've got the noise on a tape recorder, but you won't be able to hear it well over the phone, which we, which is hard to diagnose over a phone, I usually find. So she said, I want you to come out and listen to the noise on the tape recorder. So I get there again. Everybody else disappears, and we're listening to the tape recorder. This this was actually some years ago. It was a little cassette recorder. And we hear this noise. She's going, rawr, 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 rawr. and she said, that that's me making the noise the refrigerator makes. She had recorded herself, and the refrigerator never made the noise. <laughs> In this particular customer, we had had these type of situations a number of times. Another time, she called us and said there was a spot of, it is immaculate house, and there was a spot of wax mix missing from the middle of the kitchen floor. 
and uh, no, and she assumed the refrigerator caused this. It wasn't like something ran out from under it. It would have had to have jumped out from the refrigerator. And again, you know, she just didn't, you know, like the explanation. She said, well, what would cause it? And I said, well, something's probably spilled or something, you know. You know. She said, well, what would take up wax? And then, you know, and I said, well, you know, maybe citrus juices, alcohol, something. And, and alcohol was the wrong thing to say because she said there'd never been alcohol in the house. But then her husband did come in and said, well, you know, we were gone over the weekend and we left the kids at home, you know, the teenagers. So, so anyway, but we, we get in some interesting situations, but a lot of people and a lot of them involved refrigerators because I guess everybody has one. A very common but sort of comical complaint is they feel like it's running all the time. And, and in reality, of course, you're not sitting there 24 hours a day. But I, I've literally had customers who would have the thing pulled out in the middle of the kitchen. And I had one lady, again, that had a cot set up next to the refrigerator. And she would lay there and worry about it running. You know, she said to get some sleep periodically, she would unplug it and then go to sleep. And then she would plug it back in and never found anything wrong with the products. I had one customer in Bethesda that complained of frost inside the plastic bags of frozen food in her freezer. And and I got to the apartment. She said, you're the fifth person they've sent up here, and no one's been able to solve this. And I explained, you know, there's nothing wrong. I checked over the refrigerator for its vital signs, and it was fine. And I explained why frost forms inside plastic bags. And she didn't like the explanation. And she said, well, you've got to fix it. And then I patiently explained it again. But at this point, she, you know, I, I finally politely said, I've got to go to my next visit. And, and she ran ahead of me, barricaded the door, and wouldn't let me out. And so rather than have any confrontation with her, I picked up her phone and I said, I've dialed 911. Do you want to you know, either respond to this or wait until somebody gets here? And she went for the phone and I went out the door. But, but you know, but this had some interesting encounters with refrigerators. So they are presumably constantly changing the devices. The electronics obviously came in during your working life. How do you keep on top of what's happening? Combination of things. Unfortunately, there is some continuing education provided, mainly by the manufacturers. I don't think there's enough training. Um, I don't think the training that is available is often as good as it could be. Uh, so a lot of it is just a matter of reading on the Internet. Uh, I get a hold of the service manuals when possible. Uh, when I do see a completely new machine on the market, I'm always very curious to learn as much about it as I can. And it's usually not too many years, maybe even less than a year, before I can get my hands on one physically. Frigidaire recently came out with a totally new top-loading washer, which was very curious-looking to me. So I went to the Frigidaire distributor, which is close to our company, and I said, I want one of these machines. And it, it was only a matter of three months until they had a damaged one that was physically damaged come back. And, uh, you know, I got it, bought it from them cheaply, and we brought it back, fixed it, and put it through its paces, and we took it completely apart. So some of it has to be self, sort of a little bit self-motivated, and that's where I think our strong interest in major appliances has really helped us be a more effective company because we're interested in it. How many uh, technicians work for you? Um, it's myself currently, and I've got one partner and one other full-time employee, so there are three of us on the road doing repairs. How do you find someone who has the love and commitment and intelligence to do this most of the people i've just sort of run into either from other companies jason uh, the partner in the business now actually met through an appliance collector site on the internet and that's uh, how we originally were acquainted 
I'd always be interested in hiring somebody else that was really dedicated to doing this. We, we, we would have room for another person at this point, but don't want to get too big. It seems that many service organizations, whether it's a new car dealership or or the large appliance service organizations, they tend to have more problems as they get too big. It's just a little difficult to keep track of everything. What's a, what's an appliance that you just hate working on or you think, God, I can't believe I have to deal with this again? But one thing in any repair, I always try to you know, do it right the first time, so I, I don't like doing things over. Certain appliances just require so much disassembly to get to a certain part. Um, some built-in appliances, some wall ovens and things, first of all, they have to be removed in many cases to be disassembled. And that can be, you know, quite a task. A lot of the foreign products, ironically, are not very well suited for repair. And apparently when we find out more, you know, some of the uh, uh, German appliances, for example, they're really not designed to be repaired. Recently, I was uh, <clears throat> repairing a KitchenAid electric wall oven and there were several young Japanese exchange students there. There were two women and a, and a guy. And they were so intrigued to see me. And they were taking pictures constantly while I was doing this. And they said they'd never seen anybody repair something in their country. And, you know, and they just said nobody would repair an oven. They would just get a new one in Japan. And uh, they just, and yet this was a, you know, nearly $3,000 oven. And to me, it seemed crazy not to repair it. And, and when we were all done replacing this cooling fan in the back of it, the repair cost was maybe three hundred and twenty dollars but and they were amazed at that too, but you know they just it was kind of interesting and I also get a lot of people that are here from other countries too we have a lot of international customers in the city and and they're often amazed when they find out that this washing machine or something is twenty or twenty five years old and it's still working, and they seem to think that's unheard of in other places. Despite the reputation we have in the U.S. of being a throwaway culture, I think we actually repair. We're more practical than we think sometimes. I think, I think most people generally have thought of trying to repair things if they can, if they know who to call or what to do about it. I, I don't expect a dollar amount, but do you make a good living doing it? It's been a good living for me. My two older brothers, for example, one's a very good architect and the other is a quality control engineer. But because of the amount of time they spent in school, and they both had job changes throughout their careers, they're both a little older than I am, they're like 68 and 66 right now, um, I think financially I've done as well as they have, because I started working a little earlier and so forth. I've never, we've never had so much as a bad week, let alone a bad month in 35 years. The business is very consistent. Even in the height of the recession, you still had plenty of work. Yes. In fact, it can be argued, and we can certainly demonstrate, that the recessions are almost good for us. People are going to be a little more apt to fix things, and they spend a lot more money fixing them, even sometimes more than might be reasonable. But people have gotten so used to having things like refrigerators and dishwashers that they're going to do it one way or another unless they're really down and out. So and I noticed that during the first Reagan-inspired recession in the early 80s that people all of a sudden were spending $300 to fix a dishwasher in some cases, you know, you know, over half of what a new one would have cost at this time. But people wanted to have one, and they didn't want to go out and spend any more than they had to to get the job done. And so we, we definitely do well. And when the times are good, too, it helps. People are more apt to spend money on things that aren't maybe so essential. They, they'll buy ice makers or, you know, or new appliances that maybe aren't so essential. 
That's so interesting. So that that rather so no one will ever go without a fridge. So your fridge breaks down. No middle class American, even non middle class American, will go without a fridge. Very very few would. Yes, I've seen very few examples of somebody. I have seen it where people decided they could live out of a cooler and maybe did it for six months or a year, or they lived out of the refrigerator in their next in their neighbor's apartment or something. But I haven't seen many cases. Certainly, people do live without dishwashers and washers and dryers. But even living without a washer and dryer in the Washington metro area is tough. There aren't many laundromats anymore. You have, a, I believe, a very good reputation. Your firm has a very good reputation. And you appear to have good business. Isn't Why don't you just constantly raise prices? Do, would you seek to maximize your income, I guess is the question. That's an interesting friend that, or interesting question that some of our friends and all we've talked about over the years and based on reputation and things, uh, a number of my friends, and a lot of my friends are also other architects, and one of my best friends is a doctor and so forth, and and a couple of them at dinner parties or something we've talked about, and they said, well, you guys could easily double your rates, and you'd probably make more money and not work as hard. And I think we could. Uh, I think if we did something like that, we would also lose a lot of our customers. A lot of our customers do call us for good value on repairs. I mean, money is still a very important equation in anything we do. Everybody's always looking to get the best for the money. But one of the two different motives I've always sort of operated by, I've always felt that you should be able to do a little better job for a little less than most of the competition than the average one. And then my father spent his whole life in the consumer and co-op movements. And, you know, it was very heavily steeped in us, you know, to be honest and to provide a good service for the money. I think we could charge a lot more. But I think um, I know a lot of my competition does. But, you know, earlier this year, most of the other appliance repair people in the area were actually pretty slow. And they were, you know, I would go to a parts distributor or something and they were complaining, gee, there's no business. We're really slow. And I hated to admit when they asked me, are you guys busy? And I I said, yeah, we're we're still booked up days in advance. The ecological side of it influences me, too. I like to be able to save as many products that should be saved. Uh, so that motivates me to, you know, I don't want to just go out and condemn things. John, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working On. The next show, I'm going to talk to Jeff Ennis, who's a paramedic, a helicopter paramedic in North Carolina. Hey there, I'm Mike Pesca from The Gist. If you love Slate Podcasts and you're incredibly talented... That's weird. No, you should work here. And it just so happens that we're hiring. Head over to slate.com slash audio jobs to learn more about our openings for an audio project manager and two developers at slate.com slash audio jobs. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.